He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one, the only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here, as I am every week, with the always optimistic Alexia Cristina Postelidis. Hi. Hi, Alex. Hi, Hi. How you doing today? What's on your mind? Well, I'm glad you asked, um, especially today, because, you know, you know, Greeks invented parties and rituals, right? Absolutely. Right. So this morning, after a very odd dream last night, I woke up thinking, min pantrefis potes etisecto etos. Oh, which means? Never marry in a leap year. Why? Why not? Well, there's lots of reasons. So we talked about my nerdy third cousin, Theodoro, right? And his prom mishap. So we know about that. And, you know, believe it or not, he finally found the gal of his dreams and they decided to get married. So, hey, right. (laughs) (laughs) However, not being one to learn from his mistakes, again, nerdy Theodoro, he continued to ignore Greek superstition. And he and his fiance planned their wedding for the year 2000, a leap year. Yeah. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, being the accountant that he is, he wanted to save money. So he planned it for a Tuesday in May. And you're thinking, well, why is that so bad? Mm-hmm. Well, history lesson, kiddos, because the fall of Constantinople, where Yaya Melpomene is from, fell to the Turks on Tuesday, May 29, 1452, dot, 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 a leap year. So now Yaya Melpomene was beside herself with worry because it's believed that doing any one of these things will cause the union to end badly. Divorce, death of one of the spouses. But if that isn't bad enough, it's also believed that divorced couples separating during a leap year will never find happiness again in their lives. That's it. They're done. And for some very, very weird reason, Theodoro was always Yaya's favorite in the family. So Yaya went to work. She tried to talk to Father Theo to convince him not to perform the ceremony on that day. (laughs) But the church was in need of funds. And it's never booked on a Tuesday, right? Obviously. Right. So he told her it would be fine, that the church would make money, it would reverse any curses, and he sent her on her way. But no. W-W-Y-D. What would Yaya do? So she had the keys to the church. And because she was afraid that bad luck would befall on her beloved church as well, cursing all future events. So she snuck into the church, found the wedding certificate, changed the date to 2009. She took that last little zero, made it a nine, hoping nobody would notice. Then she bought calendars for the year 2009 
tore out the June month, circled to Saturday in the month, and wrote the words Theodoro and Calliope's wedding. And then she hid them in various places around the church to ward off the bad luck and send the devil away. So there you go. Did it work? Well, it's 2023 and uh, Theodoro and Calliope are still happily married and the church is thriving. Thank God for Yaya. She must not sleep at night. No, Greeks Greeks don't sleep, period. But especially once you're a Yaya, forget it. That's why you wear black and a veil. I will never be a Yaya. I just don't have the energy (laughs) for that. Very few people do, my friend. (laughs) So what's on your mind today? Well, that actually reminds me. So I'm glad you asked. Uh, I have a little tip. Let's get tipsy. So, weddings. I've seen lately that a lot of brides and grooms have chosen not to use place cards or seating cards for their receptions, thinking that it's more informal. And of course, it's a lot less work for the bridal couple to have to put that together. But here's my tip. When you're having a wedding, especially one with a plated dinner, seating guests with with place cards is a much better way to go for the simple reason that it takes the onus off of the guests to find their own seats. You, being the arbiter of that list as the bride and the groom, know who gets along with whom, who will have a better time at which table. So it really is your responsibility to make sure that you put like-minded people or people from one group or another at the same table. That's why using place cards is a much better way to go than simply opening the room and allowing your guests to find their own seats. It's a lot more comfortable for them. That's my tip of the day. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead, we'll give you a sec. Why, thank you! All right. Now I'm all tipped out and I want to know who we're talking to. (laughs) Our guest today holds a bachelor's degree in arts management, BSU San Bernardino, and a certificate in nonprofit management from Chapman University. She's worked in a variety of art forms and organizations, including our beloved SDSU School of Music and Dance and the the School of Theater, Television and Film. She's also worked for Orchestra Nova, formerly the San Diego Chamber Orchestra, the San Diego Museum of Art, Comic-Con International, La Jolla Music Society, Seattle Opera, and the list goes on. So recently changing careers from production management after many decades, working backstage, she now oversees building operations and public safety for the Rady Shella Jacobs Park and Jacobs Music Center. Please welcome the Director of Facility Administration for the San Diego Symphony, the amazingly accomplished Paige Satter. Well, thank you, thank you very much. That was a lovely introduction. It is so lovely, lady. Yes. I've known you for a while, Paige. 
In fact, I was thinking back on your career, I think since La Jolla Music Society, if mm-hmm. not if not before that, but because our listeners don't know you so well, do you mind playing a little game with us we call 10 Quick Questions? 10 Quick Questions! 10 Quick Questions? Yay! Bring it on. All right. I love her. Alex will man the clock. Two minutes on the clock. Ten questions. Give us your first answer. First thing that comes to mind. Are you ready to go? Paige Satter. Yes. All right. Question number one. Do you believe in miracles? Uh, I'm hopeful for miracles. Ooh, we got to get back to that. Question number two. What do you love most about what you do? I love solving problems. Hmm. And what was the last time you tried something new? Uh, gosh, that's a good one. Um, oh, I've started Pilates. Ooh, for you. Yeah, yeah. I find that uh, that is new and confusing, but I, I'm, I'm getting pretty good at it. Good. Everything's confusing when it's new. Yeah. Uh, what's the first word that comes to mind when you think about you? Uh, chatty. Oh, Pick one, award show or beauty pageant? To, to do what? To watch? <laughs> to watch, to be in, to produce, you name oh, it, whatever, whatever comes to uh, mind. Oh gosh, they both sound equally horrible. Uh, I, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I would think, uh, uh, let's go with award show. All right, award show, it is after much consternation. All right, number six. What is the most memorable live concert, show, or festival you've ever experienced? Oh gosh, I love this. Uh, uh, you know, I I grew up going to lots of shows, so I I I'm a musicals person. I love musicals, and I love the goosebumps that you get of of musicals. And I remember, I have 8,000 memories, but a fun one, my sister and I went to see Mamma Mia, which is just a feel-good show. Yeah. At the end, when the audience is on their seat and they're singing Dancing Queen, um, and we're just in a room of 3,000 people jumping up and down, uh, that was a good day. I I love it. Memory. Yeah, that was a good, that was a feel-good feel good day. I remember the first time I saw it, I felt the same way. You just uh, have to jump up out of your seat you at the just, end of the show. Yeah, yeah. Singing badly and loudly. It's right. fantastic. <laughs> so what do you think about while you're driving? Well, um, I'll tell you something you might not know about me. I, uh, I play the license plate game. Oh, meaning? I know. Now. What is that? Uh, what is that? What is that? I know, right? So uh, something I've always done, I've always had a commute. And by in california license plates have a formula and it's a number three letters three numbers as long as it's not a personalized plate and you can tell how old the car is by the plate number so for example i drive a 2016 vehicle and my license plate starts with a seven and then seven and then t is the next letter so if i'm driving around and see other seven t's then they're probably about the same age as my car but my sister uh had a 1990 like nine jeep that had a four so you can kind of play the games and then new cars were up to nine almost f's 
And so you can drive around and it's, it's silly, but my brain, this is what it does. I can kind of tell walking around, driving around, seeing how many people are buying new cars, which is kind of interesting because you're like, people are buying cars again. Right. I, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a hint. It's a, yeah, a sign. Yeah. Yeah. That's and my new game in the car. Well, if you want to add to the game, you can start, I used to have a lot of commuting time. Um, you could choose, you could look for all of the, the plates that have a triple letter, zeros through nines, and then you can start looking for triple letters. That took me years. You, but when you're in a car and there's nothing to do, it gives you something to do. So what happens when you spot a triple letter? Well, I had a little piece of paper in the car and I would write, write it down. down. <laughs> I, I take, my, you know I take my, my, my eyes off the road to, to check the number three or B or something. For just a brief second. Just a second. Half a second. Nano. Nanosecond. Okay, nanosecond. Nano. Okay. Right. That was very interesting. That, that is was, interesting. That was a bit yeah. of a drive, that one. All right. Yeah. <laughs> number eight. If Mickey Mouse wasn't famous, would you have him over to your house for dinner? Oh, sure. Me too. I, I love all animals. Okay. I asked that question to guests of mine this weekend at the house who basic who have had mice as pets, and they said no. I was shocked. Hmm. Have you ever done bigger poops? Sorry. <laughs> have I ever done drag? Have you ever done drag? No, I've watched drag. Okay, that's the next step is doing. I, I wish I, I had the talents. I watch drag a lot just to try and learn how to put on eye makeup better. Yeah, yeah, it's a tutorial for me. There you go. I know they really yeah. know how to put so on makeup, good. don't they? I know so it's good. incredible. Yeah. All right, last question. What's the one thing you wish you could stop doing? What could you stop doing? What do you want to stop doing? So I, uh, that's a good question. I, I'm critical of people and uh, I'm making 2023 my year of nice. And so Ooh. I'm trying to not be, you know, when you're on the road and, and someone is not so nice and they do something stupid, I usually would say, ah, what are you doing? And right. a couple hand gestures. Uh, now <laughs> I'm just thinking maybe this person's just running late to work. So, or maybe they just didn't see me. Uh, so that's that's what I'm trying to change some habits. I'm th I think people need to be more nice. I like that so much. I'm actually trying to do the same thing, if you don't mind me saying. Uh, and the switch for me is judgment to curiosity. Same mm -hmm. as what you just said, basically, just, uh, you know, instead of saying, ah, you know, questioning what might be going on in their life to. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had mm -hmm. to remind myself, you don't know what's happening in someone's life. Right. You don't, you know, all you're getting is a split second reaction. And who knows if that person just woke up off the wrong side of the bed or is rushing to a hospital or just or a, you know. thought they lost their phone and went <laughs> back to the gym to see if maybe they left it there this morning. There you go. There yeah, you go. that happens. It happens. It happens. And I love that. I actually, my, I'm, I'm on a similar thing but it, it's not it's not quite the same but you know how we often say i'll be happy when and i catch myself saying that all the time so i'll be happy when january's over no i'm happy now mm -hmm. and gee won't it be nice when spring hits mm -hmm. so i'm trying to reframe it every right. time yeah. i catch myself it's like muscle memory i mean mm -hmm. it's easy to jump to conclusions right and so or it's easy to 
to do that. But you really have to retrain how you think. It takes some time. It takes time and practice. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I would just throw out there is don't get too down on yourself when you fall backwards because it, you know, you will from time to time. And that's what helps you to remember the lesson. So don't kick yourself too hard if you fall backwards on that. Well, you know, recognizing, recognizing it is the first step. Yes, for sure. (laughs) So I just have to get back to this though. Miracles. It sounds like cautious optimism coming from you. You, you would like to believe in miracles is what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, this is what I think. I think that you have to put in a little bit of elbow grease for miracles. Mm-hmm. I think instead of just um, uh, wanting something and getting it, uh, I think the more that you can help in that process, right? Oh my gosh, I, I, I hope my drive to work today isn't crazy. Well, then how about you be less crazy and you'll help, you'll, you'll help, you'll help that along. Right, 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 so right. So I do believe it takes, I think people have to put in a little bit of work to, to make things happen. I love the idea of miracles. I love, I love it when you find a, a dollar on the street or, you know, or, mm-hmm. or you pass somebody and, and you just have a lovely smile or, or someone t- t- tells you that, you know, they, they, you know, they like your shoes or something. I appreciate those, but I, I, I do think sometimes miracles take a little, a little bit of work on our part. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, the birth of a child is a miracle, but it does not come without work. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of laboring. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's a, it's surely a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I like, I love that. the idea of it. I love the idea of it, but I also want to feel like I'm part of the process. I think that the two go very much hand in hand. Yeah. Like the I don't guy, think you can have one without the other. Right. I mean, can you imagine what the guy was thinking when he checked his numbers in the state of Maine and he had won that huge, right. that huge yeah. jackpot? Mm-hmm. Was it a miracle or how many tickets did the guy buy? Right. And so, right. right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, well, it's, it's interesting well, to me. Do you think you have to believe in miracles for them to actually occur in your life? Or can someone really be astounded by a miracle, a non-believer? Do you think that's possible? I think it's important to be open to miracles. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. Think, yeah, I, I'm a realist in most in most senses, but I think I like the I like the surprises that miracles bring. And do you, you think know? do you think that has anything to do with the fact that in life anything can happen? I mean, there's really no rule right? Just about anything could happen. We've seen it time and time again. Yeah. Well, and I've spent most of my career in the world of make-believe, right? We put mm-hmm. on shows. I go to, I, I listen to concerts and I, and this was music written 250 years ago. And I still get goosebumps because you're watching these musicians in today's time, l- look at music with fresh eyes that was written back in Mozart's day. Mm-hmm. Or, or you go to Mamma Mia and you jump up and down or I just went and saw To Kill a Mockingbird and I forgot how moving that I had read the book since I was, what, since I had to. And, uh, and that feeling of um, anything can happen mm-hmm. for those of us who work in theater is, is always present. It's always right. the stories we're telling. And, and I just, the performing oh, arts do that, I think. Absolutely. And I just <laughs> want to offer this up. I think miracles happen all the time. The trick and part of the being a being a co-conspirator in that is paying attention. Because a miracle can happen and you just might not notice it. Mm. Mm-hmm. That is true. I actually, having uh, 
avoided death twice in my life that I can remember yeah. feel that I've been a, a product of a miracle, you know, just mm -hmm. having my life, you know, being able to breathe. That's a good thing. So page, 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 let's turn it. Let's turn the page. Let's do it. Let's do it. What is it about what you do, which is facilities direction and management? Uh, what is it that you like the most? And, and how does it impact us in the meetings and event industry? So I think, I think what I like the best, I'm pretty good at jigsaw puzzles. Any of us who go into events are pretty good at jigsaw puzzles, right? You know where you have to get there and you see all the various parts. And so um, I think working in a facility with a huge background in production is so helpful because you sort of know what the show will require. So we'll, we'll take an example of, um, oh, we just had an event the other day and it was a pretty big one. It was a corporate event and uh, they brought in a guest artist and, um, and, and, and you could tell that this company had spent years planning this event. So many hands in the cookie jar. There's you know, the, the sales force and then our partners at the at Peco Park events and there was a food provider and I mean, all of this. And the people who are running around with the matching shirts, you can tell this is their event. And what makes me very happy is I want the best for them, right? They've been spending, I don't know them from, from anyone, but I can say the last two years planning an event of this size was probably all they spent their time on. So when there's a hiccup and they say, oh my gosh, we have to move the popcorn machine because we have power issues just being there and taking a little bit of that stress off their shoulders, I find great joy in. Because to me, it's eh, it's nothing. But for them, they're like, oh, no, this ha this event has to be flawless. Right. So we, I think, talked a little bit about that this particular event last week. And, and there were a few surprises yep. that you encountered one, one, once you got on site that day. And I, I believe you told me that power was one of them. You were not made aware that power was needed in certain areas of the of the venue. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. When um, uh, with this new uh, position I'm in, I'm learning all the various. I knew production really well and what production needs mm -hmm. to know, but but now I'm now I'm the electricities are right and all of these and as restrooms and exactly ingress exactly. and egress right all exactly. of it exactly. Yeah. So is what I found was that. As the events get bigger, more people are involved. And as we move away from meeting in person and we're all on these video calls or whatever, uh, not everybody is in the same room when it comes to meetings. And so that morning when, when we showed up, it was just hours actually. Uh, there was a rain, we got a lot of rain. That was one of our storms we had. And then the next day we pushed to get everything set up. We were about four hours out from doors and all of a sudden, people are like, oh, but wait, we need this, 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 this. And a lot of it was, you know, hot boxes for the nacho station or um, heat lamps for the blah, blah, blahs. And what got me thinking is, is this is one of those instances where not everybody was in the same meeting. Mm -hmm. And so I like to, okay, let's fix the problem, right? Try and put everyone at ease while you're running around pretty crazily. 
And then I'm going to take notes. At the end of every large event, I sit down with me, myself, and I with just a pad of paper or a document. And I write down, what have we learned from this, right? Oh, for next time, this, and not that this went wrong, that went wrong, but, you know, this could have been done better. Uh, Next time, be sure and ask these questions. And at the shell, oh, it's such a beautiful venue Mm. and it's becoming a lot more popular. And with every event, we learn something new. We're still learning the venue, quite frankly, it's only been open two years. And so that was a good example of, okay, next time we need to pair up closer with our friends in food and beverage well ahead of time to say, what is your setup going to be? Because I think some people knew what the setup was, but the boots on the ground didn't necessarily know. Mm So we solved the problem. We made some adjustments as needed. Um, but that really got me thinking, you know, there is something to be said working on small events with very few people. And then there's something to be said with working on events where there are many stakeholders. And so that was one of those, hmm, we could do this better. I just had a thought for you. Because I love that you do that. You need to re- create a book, a book of what ifs to avoid what ifs. Yeah. And, and if you have an active imagination, you could come up with lots of what ifs. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Now, the, now uh, the Rady Shell at Jacobs Park is an outdoor venue, which we didn't make clear, which is why rain <laughs> has an impact on this venue, <laughs> such a big impact. Um, how do you deal when you're in a situation when weather is not really uh, being your friend and helping yeah. you? Well, interesting, the Rady Shell at Jacobs Park is a park 85% of the time. And so we we have an agreement with the Port of San Diego of how many days we can use it as an event space, right? Mm -hmm. We have neighbors, we have our friends across the bay in in Coronado, we have all of downtown. And so we only get to use it so many times. Now we are a rain or shine venue, which is new for a lot of us. Um, Actually at the symphony we we used to build a concert site and break it down every year and it was only late june to the monday after labor day so we never really mm-hmm. dealt with rain with this venue we could use it year-round if we had enough open dates available so uh this is what i learned about rain it takes a hot minute to wipe down 400 i'm sorry four thousand chairs yes and so and i have three different weather apps on my phone not a one is like the other one no one knows right. the weather oh. right you could i could look at what's on the what comes with a phone uh we use Weatherbug and accuweather and when you see the clouds coming and you see is there going to be is there going to be lightning you check these three apps and i'm like well this one says this this one says this so you can't outsmart the weather we have uh we had ben platt at the, um, at the, at the park, uh, back in September, he was our first big rain day and it poured all day long, poured, 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 drenched, drenched. And then finally, like an hour before the concert started, the rain stopped. So we're hastily wiping down all of these chairs. Mm -hmm. People had a great time, but a lot of people didn't show because we as concert goers really don't like to sit in the rain necessarily. Uh, the people who came had a fantastic time. He put on a great show. Uh, it depends on the art form. Um, you know, some bank, some audiences, if we had Olivia Rodrigo again, we had her back in um, 
August, maybe sold out. Mm -hmm. uh, if that would have rained, that audience would have showed up. Yes, no question. for sure. Um, for Ben Platt, that he has a very loyal audience. If we were to do some classical programming, it maybe wouldn't have had the same, mm. the same. Um, so we have had to learn what it's like to, to run a, a rain or shine venue. I'm curious about that from a, um, uh, a customer's point of view. If I were to contract the, the shell, what would that mean for me, a rain or shine venue? Would that mean that whether it rains or shines, the yeah. services are going to be enacted yes. and the event will take place? So rain is not a, what you would call a force majeure or a reason not to have the event. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. And so from a from a monetary point of view, if I'm actually the one hosting an event there and it rains, I can't say to the venue, well, it's raining. We can't have our event. I'd like my money back. That's my understanding. Now, I should say I share an office with the rentals director, so she knows a contract inside and out. But what I have seen, especially with these big corporate events, um, I believe we are rain or shine. Mm -hmm. And um, because no one can predict the weather and um, and it would be it, it's a gamble. It is. It is a gamble. At, at, the, at, the, at that venue, I would say specifically only because, and I could be wrong, I haven't seen tenting being used there. I'm assuming it's difficult to do there if you use it on the in the audience just in front of the stage, then you might block views behind it. Um, and then you've got a raked seating behind that. The ground is actually raked. So it seems like it would be difficult to use tenting. Have you tried or thought about it? So we, um, when it comes to pre presenting concerts, we do have a policy. You can bring in an umbrella, but you can't use it during the show because of sight lines. Mm. Um, if it is raining, the, the front of house where uh, the light board and soundboard and video cameras are, we will keep the tent in place as opposed to pull it what, that we normally do because uh -huh. it's all electronics. Right. Uh, and then we do have lots of videos so you can still see uh, for corporate events. I have to go back in my Wayback Machine. Um, during the summer, there have been tents out for sure. I mean, umbrellas, umbrellas, not necessarily tents for, for the reception guests. Um, this last event we had, there were a lot of food stations and they used tents mainly to cover the food stations. Uh -huh. But so there's yeah. Those are more 10 by 10 pop-ups. Yeah. Which what what is being used for the front of house as well as that smaller 10 by 10 pop-up. Yeah, so we'll use tents if it is inclement, we will we will put tents at each of the entrances. So our our front of house staff who have the scanners and the elite mm. our security team that's doing the wanding are are not getting drenched as well. So we'll, we'll bring those out. We've been very lucky. Can I say mm -hmm. in, in the two years we've been producing concerts, we've had three, maybe, I mean, really, really lucky. 
Uh, yeah, it doesn't rain in Southern California unless it's, you were here around last week. <laughs> but, right, unless it's raining. <laughs> unless it's raining. <laughs> but for the most part, we are really lucky. What we find is it gets pretty warm out there. Like during the day with our mm-hmm. rehearsals, we get our all of our rehearsals are open to the public. We need to remind folks to bring a hat, you know, to bring a, you know, some sort of, of sun coverage. Uh, at night, it gets quite windy with the... the um, beautiful breeze that comes right off the bay and which is interesting regarding whether uh, if you're a, a corporate event or a wedding and you come in and you have these beautiful belly bars with linens and flowers uh, they will fly and so knowing the venue and sort of I could tell you like late afternoon is the windy part right um, it's things that you learn like that but for the most part we have been so lucky I think yeah, um, we've never canceled a concert due to weather. Um, we have a lot of towels standing by. All of us turn into um, the janitorial staff once we have that issue. Right. Um, but for well, the that's... most part, it's an experience. And, uh, you know, the show will go on, I suppose. Well, I have a question with regards to the artist's point of view when it comes to that. What, as far as their contracting, I mean, I understand they're under the rady, but you know, is there any provision for them with regards to that, or is it? Uh, tip, typically, if you look at the artist writer, we work with management quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, it says it's a rain or shine venue. Uh, the shell is is designed so that once you're on that stage, you're out of harm's way. Unless the, yeah. unless the wind is really blowing onto stage. Um, when we have the orchestra there, you know, being a musician takes, it's, 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 it's a lot of work for your hands. Mm-hmm. And so cold hands are not happy hands. <laughs> so if the orchestra is out there and it's cold, we do use a lot of heaters just to keep their hands nice and mobile because- well, it also violin, changes yeah. an, an instrument too for, you know, wind and a harp do not go hand in hand. No, for sure. And wood and wood instruments for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, all of the string family, but also the clarinets, uh, these are not high school level no. instruments, right? No. These no, are- my mother, my former mother-in-law was the principal harpist for the symphony. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so and, and a few of our players, a lot of our players have sort of indoor and outdoor instruments for that reason alone. Mm. So um, yeah, it's interesting. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing here, but I I imagine that the contracts that the symphony signs with the headlining artists that come onto the stage are are you're buying out the artist. It's I'm assuming it's not a a split, you know, a, a box office split in any way. Am, am I making the right assumption? There's a little bit of everything how we do contracting. Ah, and um, we have a um. We have a, a vice president of programming, and she is a wizard at all of these. And it depends if we're bringing in, depends on the event, right? So if, mm-hmm. uh, in June, we're bringing in Earth, Wind, and Fire, another wow. fun, another fun concert, so to see. So that contract might look different than if we're bringing in um, a violinist to play a concerto with the symphony, right? Um, which right. might be different if you bring in an artist who plays with a symphony. So there's a couple of variations. We, we, um, we, we, we do lots of, we do a variety of things. We produce, we present, and we rent. So we produce our own art, we present other artists, and we rent out the venue. 
So uh, a lot of a la carte going on. We produce, we present, and we rent. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually, I've used that in a lot of jobs. Even at the, I was at the Museum of Art. We produced mm-hmm. lectures. We presented uh, people would say, I want to rent out the auditorium and, right. and do a program. And we rented it like mad. Same with um, La Jolla Music Society. They're a presenting mm-hmm. organization and, and here. So yeah, we produce, we present and we rent. I just remembered that I saw Maureen McGovern at the Museum of mm-hmm. Art because of you. I'm pretty sure I went with you. So mom. cool. That yes. was very cool. Very small uh, venue. That was uh, great. I love cabaret. Yeah. Stuff. Uh, and, and I brought up the, the question about how it's contracted specifically because of Alex's question uh, about the artist and whether or not they uh, may decide they will go on or not go on based on the weather. Uh, and I was throwing that out there because I, I imagine that if an artist is getting part of the box office receipts, then the weather is going to matter. Whereas yeah. if they're just being paid a fee and it doesn't really matter who's in the audience, as long as there's some audience, then yeah. it doesn't be- matter as much. I think is what I think with all the dear, different variations, I think it depends on like some folks get a fee plus, right? We're going to pay you this, but if we hit these benchmarks, you'll get a little bit more. Mm. Um, and you guys know this, uh, or, or we're just going to show you, we're going to pay you to show up and play. There's one option. A lot of artists, a lot of what we do, for example, we're kind of in a dark period, January, February, March. It's just too cold to be outside. Right. In the evening. And so, yeah. and it's hard, it's hard to get the, the artists out there. It's hard, really hard to get the audience out there. And so um, a lot of it also is opportunity, right? Like we're bringing in these wonderful artists once we hit the summer, because it is a summer festival. And with mm-hmm. a summer festival, it is, you know, jeans and flip-flops and wine at your table. And it's a whole different feel. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Right yeah. So Paige, um, I know that there is a rental person. I'm going to ask you a question and hopefully uh, you'll be able to answer it. What kinds of uh, priorities do you have as a house from an operations and a rental point of view when somebody is interested in renting the venue? What are some of the priorities that you will present to somebody who says, I'm interested in this venue? The priorities on on what we want to get out of it. What you want to get out of it, Mm -hmm. what you want to ensure uh, what you want to make sure, uh, uh, you know, works well. Do you, do you, do you judge the fit? Is it, do you look at the fit? Do you look at the name behind the, uh-huh. the person that's asking for the space? What kinds of things are your priorities when somebody approaches you and says, Hey, we'd like to rent Rady Shell? Yeah. Well, we, um, we think every renter is, is a valid renter. And so, um, we don't curate the art that's coming in. So if somebody wants to bring in, um, if somebody say wants to bring in a, you know, a, a religious organization, great. If somebody wants to bring in a singer that should never sing a note in their life, great. We don't, we don't make decisions artistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a venue for everybody. Um, 
what our priorities are is, 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 is the shell is part of our business model. And so we need to be making some money because it costs a lot to run that venue. Mm-hmm. And so financial responsibility is big for us. We do need to, there's a line in our budget. We do need to be renting this venue as well as Jacob's music center. Once that's back online. Mm-hmm. Um, but as to anyone could, anyone can rent. There is a process where you can put a first hold or a second hold. There are considerations, uh, events that the symphony is producing do take priority. So if we're in the middle of a, a busy concert week and someone comes in and wants to have something right in the middle, we might not consider it because just the effort to flip the venue out and flip mm-hmm. it back in might not be possible. We also are up against that. How many times can you use the venue? So um, there is a there is, is a, a moratorium on how many times it can be used. Is that correct? Can only be used yeah. a certain number of days a year. Yes, we get um, either fifty five full days or one hundred and ten half days. Now, why is that? Do you have an answer? Do you know? I don't. It's part of our very hefty lease agreement with the Port of San Diego, mm-hmm. and I think. It has something to do with being good neighbors. I think it has something to do with, with also just being a park. Most of the time, we in today's world we're aware of lots of things with the ecology. What's the impact on the birds? What is the impact? What is the light doing? You know, after hours. What is there is this? Uh, I don't know if it's in this one, but the, at one point we were talking about um, the seagrass or something. And so there's a lot of, it's not just, we want to put on a show. It's, 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 what's the impact, right? There are how many cars are coming to the venue? Are we, are we, are we at one point doing too much? Mm -hmm. And so part of, part of what the deal is, is, is this is a park and this should be used as a park. And so, but 110 half days is not nothing. We, we do keep very busy. And does that mean is it a 12 hour day? Is it an evening? What does that mean specifically a half day? So normally of- that normally is, yeah, normally the way we do it. Um, I forgot why, but it's, um, we close the park from two 30 until 10 30. Mm. Yeah. But and we can be doing things in the park. We uh-huh. just can't stop the public from walking through it. I see until two 30. Right. Then we close the gates. The stage is not part of this conversation. No one's allowed on the stage unless they're part of the production. But but if you want to bring a book in a beach chair and and, and read, you could stay in there reading your book until 2.30 when we'll politely ask you to oh, head on out. I didn't know that. I'm going to be doing that. I know. Oh, yeah. I just want to say this goes back to your your goal for the year of the year of nice. And that is that you know, we ask the question, well, why is that? Why can't you do that? And it, the way you answered that is so lovely because there are so many more pieces to that puzzle than the novice or the person not involved in events would would ever even think of, you yeah, know? Well, so, well, and imagine you living in, in, in Coronado, for people who know this area, people who live in mm-hmm. Coronado, where every night you hear I mean, the sound travels. And so Mm -hmm. we want to be good neighbors as well. Mm -hmm. We also have a limit on how many fireworks we can use, how many nights of fireworks um, that has a a number and a date. So you can only use them between these months and you only get so many shots, uh, nights of fireworks. Wow. 
What about the sound moratorium, which is in San Diego, the city of San Diego, 10 p.m.? Uh, have you, in the short time that you've been uh, open, have you had to fine anyone for going past 10? Have you been fined yourself for going past 10? We, we, keep a, we keep a real steady eye on that clock. We also, as part of our, as part of our agreement, have a couple um, exceptions. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't remember how many we can go over 10 o'clock, but when we, we do movies a lot, we show a, a Hollywood movie and the orchestra plays a score and it is the most fun on the planet. Well, we find out that sometimes a Harry Potter movie is longer than two and a half hours mm -hmm. or a Star Wars or I forgot the last one. I think the last one that went longer was. Oh, Love Actually, I think went longer mm -hmm. and so, oh, so great. Um, yeah, it's a good and, and they make a PG version. So I was going to say, uh, how do you get away yeah. with that? Because there's a yeah. there's a scene or two. Exactly. Yeah, we show the PG 13 version. Um, and so. Um, so we have, we keep, we keep an, uh, an ear to sound. So we, uh, we have a couple limitations. We know, um, we know that we have to stop any ampl amp amplified sound at 10 o'clock. And we also know that the sound level, we have a sound uh, listening station on Coronado Island and in a venue and that we have to watch those limits. And we do put those limits in the artist contracts. So when they show up and they agree to it, we say, you cannot go louder than fill in the blank. So I don't think we've been fined. Um, normally, uh, normally we, we had just before 10. Yeah. Just in the nick of time. Just in the nick of time. Yes, I remember standing backstage watching the, like to the second, and um, it's always fun. Now, we've mentioned corporate events, but actually the Shell has hosted a few weddings as well since you've mm -hmm. been open. Yes. Uh, the most recent yes. one actually happened on the stage, but that I understand is not a, and it's not a common occurrence. Uh, it was a weather issue, was it not? It was, yes. We, we've had two weddings. Uh, we had Dr. and Mrs. Jacob's grandson's wedding. That really was, uh, that was huge. That was um, 450 guests. Oh, we were just one of the events. Three uh, days of setup, oh, yeah, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, pyro, everything. Uh, that took place at the top of the terrace with the shell in the background. And then the party moved with every, with every uh, event, it moved closer to the stage. Mm -hmm. um, so the stage was used mainly for the, for the band yeah the band that's right mm -hmm. i must say dj uh this next one we had is uh is we had one of our vice presidents uh was getting married and she was going to do it on the sunset steps which is this this the area behind the stage and it's these beautiful stairs and it looks at embarcadero north and it looks at the bay and it's just lovely and it was going to be just a very small behind the gate 40 people and then one of those storms came through and it was moved to the stage, which was of course um, was, was not under the radar <laughs> and it ended up in the newspaper and it did. all this other, it did, yeah. It was a great photo. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but when people rent the, so, so I know next weekend we have 
um, a person pulled a permit, you can pull a permit for a park use and they're having a birthday party. So you can rent the facility for as a small of an event as a, you know, 25 person birthday party to uh, we had a corporate event that was supposed to have 5,000, 8,000 people showed up. Wow. <laughs> so uh, it's very flexible. And so are, so are how you can use it. So. So you do have a partner that helps you to plan the events uh, with the symphony taking charge of what happens on and around the stage and your partner taking the responsibility for the food, the beverage, the seating, the decor. Um, how is that working for the symphony? Are you finding the partnership to be a benefit or more of a, a detractor for you? So I think uh, we partner up with Petco Park Events. They are the events arm housed in Petco Park where the Padres play. Mm -hmm. And they are our sales force for non-ticketed events. So if you need a ticket to come to a concert or a presentation, we handle the bookings. If it's a private event, then Petco Park Events does that. And I think it's working great. They they do these events in their sleep and they're very good at it. They have the staff to support it. They bring over their own janitorial force. They bring over their own event crew and it doesn't, um, it doesn't put all the onus on us. We are there to, to support them and to make sure they have everything they need. But it's been really, when I heard this idea, I thought, well, that's going to be interesting. I, you know, I thought, are we giving away our jobs? And it's been lovely because it's, it's like having an extension of your events department. Mm. And really when you're using a venue like that, and especially if you have an artist coming in, you're really, there are two very distinct areas that need your work, that need your attention, what's happening on the stage and what's happening in front of the stage. And one is not necessarily easier to deal with than the other. For both, sure. Right. So right. it does make sense to have a partner so that you can focus and you have an incredible, and I give you all the kudos, an incredible production team there because you were in charge of production until yeah. very recently. Yeah. Uh, that is able to do just about anything, take care of any needs, very well established in the city, these people, and very easy to work with and very knowledgeable. Yeah, we are very lucky. Yeah. The uh, a lot of the times what happens on stage and what's happening, we'll call it the concert and the party have nothing to do with each other. Mm -hmm. And so the production department is very busy. You know, this past couple months, other other groups have brought in Billy Joel, Sting, Alicia Keys, Dirks Bentley, Old Dominion, um, Goo Goo Dolls, Train, people that that we would love to present, but maybe don't have the pocketbook to pay for Billy Joel to come in. And they they took care of of those concerts beautifully. And then while we were working with the events team on just the amount of rental furniture, I've just been amazed with, you know, the order we'll see 50 couches, you know, so many heat lamps, um, cabanas, you name it, signage, really cool. Um, a, lot, a lot of people now are also with, as people check into the event, they're handed a blanket, which I thought is really cool. That they, is great. 
-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, these blankets don't cost much, but it's just added benefit. And I, the last event I saw them, every chair had one um, on the, on the seat. Wow. And I thought, well, that's nice. You know, these blankets aren't that expensive. And yet if someone is there to have a good time, the event planner thought of that. Oh yeah. Right. When we're doing that, remember it gets chilly at night and that's and really lovely. Take, yeah. I just thought, well, it got me thinking about that conversation that you were having about place cards because, because you have the best interest of the end user in, in, in mind, right? You know that uncle Sal and aunt Sally don't like to sit together. So they're going to be at different tables or this person has a really good personality and I bet they'd like to know this person. So you have to curate some of these decisions. And so if you know that this venue gets a really nice breeze coming off the bay, especially around eight or nine o'clock and it's going to be chilly and your guests probably don't know that, and they're probably, oh, we're in San Diego. Let's just wear shorts mm. and little right. dresses because right. it's sunny all the time. Right. Uh, thinking ahead and, and offering that blanket, it's huge. It is huge. And it's it's what separates the professionals from the amateurs. It's thinking ahead and understanding what could happen and what impact it could have. Yeah, 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 yeah. I so have a question with regards to that in being in the, you know, uh, COVID times. And uh, are those packaged? Are they unpackaged? Do the audience keep the, you know, the guests keep them? Do they return them? The, oh, the blankets? Mm-hmm. The Just ones curious. that, yeah, the ones, oh no, everything has been unpacked and presented. These were for these corporate events. Um, and, you know, the, the great thing about Rady Shell is that the San Diego Symphony was able to continue performing because we had an outdoor venue. So the whole COVID, whatever it else was going through, we we had a beautiful new outdoor venue with lots of fresh air. And so, um, so luckily, because we don't, we're not indoors. The COVID thing we know is still exists. Everyone on staff, every day we have to t- take a home test. So I tested this morning. And wow. so if we're going to be around our colleagues, we need to have tested. That's just the symphony wow. policy. And I appreciate it. And it's sometimes a pain, but you know, you just don't know. It takes one person, the whole, uh, right. whole right. organization can wipe out. Right. And, and in the, in the, uh, regarding the, the, the blankets, my guess is that they take them home and Most they're branded. People- Yep. Uh, some branded, some not. The ones I just saw just look like the kind you can get like at whatever oriental trading or, you know, those kind of cheapy World ones. World market or right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and some people um, maybe are here on a conference and don't want to pack it. So anything that's left behind and that the event coordinator doesn't want to take with them, we'll throw in our washing machine, we'll wash it up, and then we can hand them out if we need them for any of our guests or anything. Nice. Yeah. So they don't just get thrown away. Exactly. Yeah. We also, um, when we have performances and the weather's not great, we also hand out rain ponchos to all of our guests as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's a little thing. It's just the little things. Those it little, so little things add up and can change um, an experience from a negative to a positive. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. We sell a lot of hot cocoa when it comes to colder mm. events. <laughs> so what's what's next for Rady Shell at Jacobs Park? Well, we are in a lovely 
event lull, our to-do list, we are knocking down our to-do list with Great. all the just venue things. Our next big event is March 2nd. We have, oh, there went her name, Maggie Rogers. Um, she's being presented. I'm not sure who's presenting her, but it's going to be a general admission, 10,000 seats. She's selling very well. That's nice. March 2nd. Yep, yep. Um, and then the orchestra comes back to the shell mid-April to round out our masterworks. And then we are into the summer season in June. Mm. So these are a couple months. We kind of catch our breath. We, you know, we work on our home projects and then we go right back into event mode. And while this is going on, we are, we are mid full renovation of Jacobs Music Center. So our indoor venue, which is a 1927 historic Fox Theater, is getting a full renovation. Mm. And that should be done uh, the end of, what are we, 23. Are we removing Copley Hall from the namesake of the building? Uh, it's part of it. No, actually, it's ever since the Jacobs gave that wonderful uh, gift many, many years ago, the official term is Jake, um, Copley Cop Symphony Hall at Jacobs yeah, Music, Center. Music Center. So the stage in the building, Copley Symphony Hall at Jacobs Music Center. Mm. Yeah. And that was a rather large gift, probably 10, 15 years 20, ago. 20? 20 it years was, ago? It, maybe it was, 20. It, it was at the time the largest private donation to an American orchestra, $110 million, I think it was. And wow. it resurrected yeah. the symphony mm -hmm. because at the time yeah. the symphony was almost ready to close and mm -hmm. we would not have had a symphony in the city so yeah. it really resurrected the symphony it has been a an upward trajectory since um mm. the orchestras never sound better we brought in rafael payare mm. who is this phenom uh, amazing so much energy i'm tired just talking with him sometimes um, <laughs> and so yeah everything is everything's looking up and your programming is much broader than it used to be Mm -hmm. uh, you do some children's programming, some some educational programming, right? It's not just about the San Diego Symphony. No, There's... for sure. Yeah. Uh, part of our, our strategic plan a couple of years ago was who we are, right? We are music. And so we are definitely orchestral music, but we also have a very big arm that is jazz, Broadway, um, films. Mm -hmm. Gosh, what else? We just, there's, there's a lot. Yeah. And then we have a whole arm of, of, of education programs. Uh, we have a whole chamber music series. So music is music. And um, we have a, a fantastic 82 member orchestra. And then we also present and produce a lot of, of other types of music. Is the classical audience uh is it a reduced classical audience? Is it is it being depleted? Are there are there young people that are coming into the mix enjoying classical music and subscribing to the classical series that you present? Or is that an issue? Maybe it isn't. I think I think it is. Interestingly enough, my first job out of college was at Seattle Opera. And this was like early 90s. And I remember listening to the conversation, is opera dying? mainly are the ticket holders is the art form right you know what's its 
is a sustainable. Right. And this was opera. And this was, I was up there 92, I think. And throughout my whole career, it's been, can this type of music sustain itself? And we're seeing, I mean, we're seeing that it can. Um, Seeing classical music like Outdoor at the Shell has that cool factor. It's a great way to introduce people to the art form. A lot of our subscribers, the funny thing about being out in the shell, we cannot control certain things. We can't control the sound from above and the sound from the water. So we're right near a military base. So if there's a helicopter that flies by, there's nothing we can do about it. If there's a party boat going down the bay, there's nothing we can do about it. And so with the reopening of of our indoor concert hall, we're finding a lot of our subscribers are like, get me back in there. Because people who like classical music really like to control the environment because Mm -hmm. what you're listening to is so it's, you know, you have to really pay attention Mm -hmm. and the most silent atmospheres is what you're looking for. And so people are really excited to come back indoors. And that's why you're making the changes to uh, Copley Music Hall at the Jacobs Music Center, you're making, you're improving the acoustics there specifically for that. And when we talked last week, you were telling me that the, uh, the surround that is normally at the back of the stage, it will be permanent now at the, at the music hall, right. To improve the acoustics, which was something that previously you could move around and yeah, yeah, we, we're, we're making a lot of changes and some sacrifices. So the, um, for the most part, the spirit of the renovation is acoustic, almost like what they did at Geffen Hall in, in um, New York. Same thing. We're just tweaking how it sounds. And it is full acoustic from the fabric on the chairs to the angle of the chairs to sound panels to, and what you were saying is the shell are the walls on three sides of them. It, they used to be able to be moved around as needed. So if a big rock and roll show came in, you just move all these beasts around and nest them. Um, now it is gonna be fixed. And so that will have an effect on the kinds of rentals we have. Mm-hmm. Only if you didn't need the walls. I can still see us doing so many rentals because music will still happen. Mm-hmm. It might not be the big rock and roll with video walls that come in and, um, you know, all of that. Right. But, all that production that, you know, yeah. Yeah. Helps the artists found- look exactly. talented than they are. Okay. Well, exactly. And we were having issues with those large concerts is because a lot of these bands are on tour and they didn't know kind of what a unique mm-hmm. venue we were and the louder music got, at the hall the worse it sounded mm-hmm. so by this full acoustic treatment i think we're going to have much better luck and the and the just the experience that the people will have is going to be just night and day mm. i want to go in and record um voiceover in there and sing well we are getting a recording studio as a, as a uh, well a recording stu- a recording booth yeah as a result of this we're getting a lot of things that have been on the wish list and somehow the stars are aligning nice. and um and it's a really good day for for folks in San Diego to go to the symphony. Mm-hmm. We're just getting some really cool toys. <laughs> oh, we can't wait. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I want to go play. Yeah. All right. It's no, time it's... to get to the nitty gritty, kids. We gotta <gasps> we gotta get down to the okay. to the real reason why we're here to ask some really tough questions. Okay. Maybe okay. take a deep breath. Big eyes. Like you know. <gasps> the Bellotified Five. No, 
really, this is going to be so easy for you. I really would like to know though, what is your golden rule? Paige, what do you live by? I fully believe that um, I think you are, how would I say this? Um, I think you need to be authentic. Mm-hmm. And if you're somebody that goes around and, and, and talks the talk and doesn't, and doesn't, you know, back that up with truth, I think, I think people need to be authentic. And sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes you don't want to hear the truth, but right. I think it's, 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 it's a good way to, to go through life, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, if you so, tell the truth and your intention is good, then there's a saying that I've learned recently where you speak the truth, others hear only love. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, yeah. I like to quote Judge Judy. <laughs> when you speak the truth, you don't have to have a good memory. There you go. <laughs> and if it's good enough for Judy, it's, it's good, good enough, for, enough us. for us, right? What is the one, what is one daily habit you have that you feel strongly contributes to your success? Something you do every day that contributes to your success. I sleep very well. I'm an excellent sleeper. And so, um, uh, I know, I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, I could tell you that I floss my teeth twice a day. That seems to help, but, um, but we like it. Yeah. Yeah. My dentist (laughs) is quite happy with it. Um, I think, I think some, I have a cat that brings me great joy. You know, I, I try and find, I try and find these little pockets of happiness and it seems, it seems to work. You know, sometimes work isn't great. Uh, you have to make decisions or be in uncomfortable conversations or hear news you don't want to want to hear, but, but then what do you do when you're not at work? So I've gotten pretty good at, 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 at working on my, what do you do when you're not at work? You also keep it light. I have to say mm-hmm. you don't overthink. You don't um, get too wrapped up in issues. You keep it light and you, you approach life with humor, which I think helps too. I, I try. I try. Sometimes it takes me a while to kind of stop the voices in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, I do get, I do get critical. I do. Mm-hmm. I'm that person that will walk around the shell and see all and see pieces of trash or see something that someone didn't pick up. And, um, but then I just, you know, so, um, I know uh, that feeling. Yeah. I mean, I am, I am, um, my poor staff and they see me coming, they're like, Oh man, here she is, you know, and I'll say, have you done this, 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 because I do think, I do think there's a lot of work to do. And, um, and it takes a very, you know, we're a small organization, but we do a lot of great things. And mm-hmm. so small, we have a, a fairly small staff for the amount of work that we do. So, uh, yeah, I try, I think people respond to positiveness rather than being a jerk. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Very yeah. much so. I was during, during the whole meltdown with like the airport during the holidays, I thought, may I never have a job where I work at a lost luggage counter. May I never have a job <laughs> where I have to tell somebody their flight's been canceled right. because this guy just showed up to work one day because he has to pay his rent. And oh, the oh, I'm sure the arrows that were flung their way. Mm-hmm. So 
That well, is a it. good point. We get to mm-hmm. entertain people and hopefully get them to their happiest moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? no, I, I like that. What are the things you tell yourself when no one's listening? What's your self-talk? My self-talk is, is a lot of it is to just relax a little and give people a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that include you, Paige? Yeah. Are you saying that to yourself as well? Oh, sure. I'm hard on myself as yeah. well. Yeah. I learned a lot during the pandemic and, and a big part of that was slowing down. I used to do a 16 hour day without thinking about it. Right. I was a champion. I could do 8am to midnight without thinking about it. And then we were all sent home for who knows how long. And I got back into reading books and I got back into just organizing a closet or whatever and slowing down. It helped. It, it solved a lot of my, of my problems. What about now, though, when you're forced to work at, you know, uh, lightning speed because of whatever, do you mm-hmm. find it hard to re-engage at that speed or can you find it? Oh, no, I'm, I, I can jump back in. I do this little trick with myself. Uh, the other day I did, I, uh, I took a job um, stage managing a show up at Disney Hall uh, for New Year's. And, you know, I had to drive to LA, be there early, do the show, uh, watch over the strike and then head home. It was a long day. That's a long day. It was a long day. day. And the drive is, you know, but I, I, I was standing there getting ready. And I thought, no matter what happens, you will be back home in 12 hours. Mm. And I use that a lot, especially Mm. on days that I know we're just going to be like, ugh why did I say I would do this? Right. Or, yeah. The same thing. Every time I volunteer at Comic-Con, it's like even longer show up at nine, get home at two or something in the morning. And, and I, I do this little trick with myself. I'm like, no matter what happens, the train has left the station. You will be at home in bed in 12 to 14 hours. And here we go. And here we go. So, right. And so, and you do the best you can. And I've, I picked up that too. I gave myself a lot of, um, uh, I've let myself make mistakes and I, I subscribe to, if you do the best you can, you've done the best you can. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you have to give yourself a break every now and again too, because showbiz is not hard I, you know I, I i heard this for many many years ago and they say it's why it's called sh- show business and not show fun right right, show fun right. sometimes but this is a brutal industry and those of us who have done it for a long time are really good we're very good jugglers we can keep lots of balls in the air we think about the name tags and the blankets and we think about how many extra toilets need to be ordered and then we sit and we listen to a concert and it and it makes it all worth it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So you do the best you can and you can't do any you know, more. So you do the best you can. So if I were to ask you what one change might look like in, in the industry for you that you'd like to see, what would that be? That's a good one, especially since I'm in this new industry. Um, I think communication as overused as that term is, it's true. You don't know what you don't know. Right. Right. And if you're being asked to do something and you just don't know, I also think being humble, I was in a meeting the other day and, and, and something came up. I'm like, you know, I didn't know that I do now, but you have to, you know, I think you have to make the assumption that not everyone knows everything. Mm -hmm. And you almost have to be a detective. You have to go looking for information, which is no fun. You just want to hand it to you, you know, just to tell me what to expect. Mm -hmm. But, um, but 
communication and just sharing of information is you just don't know what you don't know. And, and, and none of us like to be caught off guard because we all do really good work and no one wants to put out fires when you don't have to. Is it harder to communicate today than it was when it was a phone call or even just simply an email now that we have so many lines of communication open? I think so. I think so. Having um, people can reach you in so many different ways, Mm -hmm. right? You can at work, we use Teams or it's text or it's email, but which email address or Mm -hmm. is it a video call or there's something to be said about everyone just meeting at two o'clock in a conference room and sitting yeah. down and talking things through. When I was, when I was at the art museum, I used to love these meetings. We would have exhibition meetings and say it was the Andy Warhol exhibition and everyone in the room had a piece of the pie. And so we would just go around within the middle of the room is this exhibition. And so, so curatorial, what do you know? Special events, museum stores, security. I did public programming, you know, all of these. And it felt like this knowledge sharing. And when you left there, you kind of knew what was going on. Mm. And it feels like now, well, today's a good example. This week, I'll work out of three different offices because everyone is everywhere now. Some people right. still work from home, albeit today I'm at Jacob Music Center. On Thursday, I'll be at Shell. And so... Um, so I, I miss being planted. Mm-hmm. That's what I miss. I right. like my apartment. My cat still box in front of me during meetings, <laughs> but I miss, <laughs> I miss, I miss having that sort of foundation. And I like a foundation. I'm old school. You know, I'd like to know where my desk is. I, I come here. I use a, a tower computer, you know? Um, Oy. so I know, I know it's so reliable. <laughs> So, so anyway, yeah. so one last question for you. It's the biggie. Why? What is your why? Why do you do this? Why? I do it because I drink the performing arts Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. I think what we do impacts people. I think you could be having a horrific day or dealing with a horrific situation and you come and see a performance or listen to a piece of music and you just all that crap just washes away even if it just you to be a park it outside you know even if when you, when you enter the venue you leave all your junk at the door mm-hmm. and you pick it up it'll be there when you leave no question it'll be there on the other end so i feel the more that we can i don't know i feel like only a few of us get to do this work and create these experiences in the grand scheme of things. We're not all accountants and doctors and lawyers, but to give somebody a really lovely experience, I think is a, is a really great way to spend your day. I so appreciate that. I, I, I've been known to say that it's the most transformational of all Mm -hmm. of the meeting and event elements. If you would, you know, a beautiful floral centerpiece is gorgeous to look at, but will it really make you feel any different about your day or about yourself or whereas watching a performance can have that power and transform a mood a disposition Mm -hmm. uh the way you thought about something Mm -hmm. previously you know there's so many so many things to be gained yeah yeah i saw yeah no go ahead Paige. no i was saying it could even be spoken word you know Mm -hmm. you could you could, you could go, I always like, you know, I listen to the moth. I love storytelling. 
and even just to hear somebody's experience or, um, yeah, we're so, we're so electronic these days. I just feel like it, 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 we're not human enough. So I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. I was on, I got, I had an opportunity to see a show on Broadway. It was a comedy. It was wonderful. And afterwards, um, there was this older woman and she had on, you know, like a headscarf. Um, and one of the main actresses came out and they had a little exchange and the other leading actress came out and this woman turned to her and said, I, I have cancer and I've been having chemo and this is my first time out of the house in six months. Thank you so much for giving me such a wonderful evening. Mm. And in that moment, I, I, I feel so blessed to witness that little, what well, was a one-sided exchange the actress, unfortunately was less than gracious about it, but oh. that one woman to see her, to see the tears in her eyes and the joy in her face, being able to witness an art. And mm -hmm. I thought that's what it's about that right there. Yeah. Yeah. And then for that woman to make that decision to go see that show, unfortunately, mm -hmm. it would have been great if, if the, if the person receiving the compliment would have been maybe a little more gracious, but, but it's true. You know, we, I'm not a singer, I'm not on stage, but I sure appreciate those who have those talents. We all have our own talents. I would say right. you know, in production, you can be an excellent musician or whatever, but you know, I'm an excellent production manager. And if you want your lights turned on, we have to know this about each other. <laughs> so, uh, so I appreciate people who could just take us to another, yes. to another mm -hmm. world, just to, even if it's just, just for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like David Sedaris does that every time. Yes. Yeah, I love David Sedaris. A couple hours listening to his stories and all is well. Well, when, we're, when this broadcast is over, Alex is going to tell us who that actress is. That was less than gracious. But we won't, we, won't, no, we won't do it online. We won't malign her online. <laughs> uh, Paige, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this was it's fun. It's really been a thank pleasure. You. It was great to hear your perspective from a facilities director and because that's who we work with in this industry is facility directors and managers and you have two facilities and they're rather large facilities uh so having your position on this really does help us thank you so much for joining us no this was a lot of fun thank you so much for thinking of me you're fun yes you are nice well anytime you want to chat again i'm available Thank you. We're going to yes. do it again. Yes. Yeah. That would be or lovely. Anything, anytime that you have uh, something that you'd like to share with us, please let us know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging. <laughs>